The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Today on The Revolution with Jim and Trav, the boys will tackle DIY habitat management, and joining them will be Tiffany Lakoski from The Crush, Whitetail Freaks Don and Candy Kiski, and Bob St. Pierre with Pheasants Forever. And their subject matter includes food plots, the importance of clearing shooting lanes, hinging trees, creating pitch points, corridors, and funnels, and how prescribed burning is an essential tool for any wildlife manager. And it's presented to you by Outdoor Channel at OutdoorChannel.com. And now... Here's Jim and Trav. And we're back. Another week, another show. Talking about DIY. Hey, before uh, we go any further. Jeez, oh, Pete. Yes, <laughs> what, Jim? Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to you, too. <laughs> I really appreciate it. Not that that couldn't have waited like 10 <laughs> seconds. We're talking about DIY habitat management on today's show. Do I interrupt too much? No. <laughs> Happy Father's Day to you, too. Thank you. Got a bunch of kids. Hey, who's going to be on the show this week? Uh, well, for I one, even got a guest list. Mrs. Bunny's here. Hey, there. Hey, thank you for saying hi. You're welcome. Uh, Candy Kiski, White Tail Freak. She's going to be on. Bob Say. Pierre, Pheasants Forever. How about Grant Woods, Growing Deer TV? David Allen, the president and CEO of Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, also going to be debuting a new segment, Tips Hello. Tips, uh, with Tiffany Lukoski from the Crush on Outdoor Channel. Yeah, she's going to have it on every week. Uh, anyways, Mrs. Bunny, how you doing? I'm good. Good. You want to say anything like uh, how freakishly weird Jim looks? <laughs> no, I, happy Father's Day to you both. Thank you. Yeah. Jim's got blood on his legs. I always have blood on my Hasn't legs. Hasn't shaved in two weeks. <laughs> no, I have blood on my legs because I do shave. <laughs> All right, so uh, we're going to be talking about uh, clearing shooting lanes, doing some uh, DIY habitat management uh, practices with Mrs. Bunny, even mowing, and it is brought to you by Nissan. Nissan, innovation that excites. All right, so let's get into this. DIY habitat management. Um, Jimbo does a lot of this. Indeed. M- mowing. <laughs> yes, mowing. Yes, mowing. All right, Jim, so why is mowing? Jim loves to mow. Jim does love to mow, even yeah. when he shouldn't mow. <laughs> well, actually, I get out there on my, my little tractor, and uh, I, I bush hog the pastures. Yeah. Yeah, but What's you're going to find out when Bunny tells you that... How you're doing it is not the right way. True. There is a right way and a wrong way. Or more more appropriately, the timing matters so much when you're mowing. It's one of the easiest and most underused habitat management tools, but if you do it Amen. the wrong but if you do it the wrong way, it can have Jim's way. Yeah, if you can do it the wrong way, it can have negative effect on the wildlife. So now should you go and mow the whole pasture at once? No, they don't recommend it. So no. for property owners who big or small, doesn't really matter what size of property you have, you know, most people have different reasons for mowing their fields. Some do it for aesthetics, you know, uh, Trav likes to have everything manicured, like to be able to see the lines, just like to have it nice and clean cut. Yeah. Um, a lot of them do it to keep trees from taking over fields that are going to be used for crops. Um, some want to prevent invasive weeds um, from spreading throughout pastures. Um, so here are some basic guidelines when you're mowing. First of all, mowing during the spring and the summer will affect and kill may kill nesting and young animals. Ground nesting birds. Right. Uh, well, not only birds, but rabbits, fawn, bobwhite quail, everything. Ground nesting Why birds. Why do you think they call them kill deers? True. Run <laughs> they, yeah. they, you run over the tractor. Yeah. Uh, second, uh, wildlife need uncut areas that have grown up during the summer and fall for cover during the winter. So You remember Nick Rhodes with Wildlife Properties? Yeah. He was talking about mowing, and you mow in strips. Yeah. You know, so they say you would mow like a 20-foot wide path, then you would skip 20 feet, you would leave it completely unmowed and then you'd mow another strip or like when you mow you leave the corners you got to leave some cover because isn't it like foxtail ragweed stuff like this i mean this is actually the things that we look at as invasive weeds to wildlife those are actually very good right they might be undesirable to the eye or to you in general i foxtail ragweed beggar slice uh they are actually top foods of the northern bobwhite quail and morning doves because they're insect rich and everything so um this weedy growth provides crucial habitat for songbirds and quail and things like that so you don't want to go just mow- mowing things down all of it to your point about mowing in strips they say to mow in strips however to alternate years so every um year to three years alternate 
alternate the way you're mowing. So if you mm-hmm. mowed one strip last year, alternate and mow the other one the following year. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I, I try to mow our horse pasture because I want to get rid of the cheatgrass. And that's right. an annual. And if you get it before it uh, the, the seeds ripen, then you've, you've killed next year's growth. Right. Now, let's get on to my favorite part, chainsaws, because Jimbo <laughs> and I, we were out hacking some stuff down the other day. We, we cut down some big we trees. We cut down some big <laughs> trees. They needed to go, though. They did. And so, you know, some trees don't need to go. Sometimes you should hinge them. Um, but let's get to cutting shooting lanes, corridors, all sorts of stuff here. Well, so for shooting lanes, a lot of it um, really starts with tree selection and your stand height. You have to uh, really think about that. So as you're going in, um, walk around the perspective tree before you um, start to set up a stand and consider and look up and consider a deer's perspective. If there is going to be no way to conceal your human outline, if there is not enough um, twigs and branch and things like that in your way, pick a different tree. And also try to remember that in later in fall, when you're going to be in there, that there's not going to be the foolish. So don't be by all the leaves that may be there now. Well, I have yeah. to say something, though. Here in Kansas, the next tree is like four miles away. Exactly. Well, I, I would never the- get my animal. <laughs> You'd get down in the bottom, though. Mm-hmm. You're not going to have those problems. Yeah, I was just going to build a cave. You know what's funny is uh, Bunny and I's house, uh-huh. you know, two stories. We have a nice tree row. And Jim likes to come upstairs and look out. And he says, you know what I'd do? I'd go out there and I'd cut all the tops of the trees off. <laughs> so remember that? Yeah. So I could look out. <laughs> what are you doing? I'm not going to cut the tops of all the trees off. You know what Crazy. I'm going to do? I'm going to get a bunch of those cameras that have the... Uh, the, the uh, Put them in Bunny and I's house? Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> no I that's, hope that's not. what I want to do. That's no, weird. No, no. Where I can actually monitor what's happening out there in the field from my telephone. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like We the, had that on a, the spy point. Yeah. yeah. Spy point cameras. Yeah. Something like that. Get those things, and then uh, I won't have to worry about what's going on. I just kind of tune in and see what it is. You know, the, okay. So not only that, but yeah. also think, um, you know, a lot of people want to make nice, wide shooting lanes. However, um, you also want to think vertical. If you make your shooting lanes too wide horizontally, a deer catches most of their movement on their peripherals, on the horizon. And so moving side to side, they can see right in. So leave plenty of room. Um, vertically more so than horizontally. That way you can come to full draw if you're shooting with a bow and there's more limbs to break up your outline as you are doing so. Yes, we're not only talking about management uh, uh, tips and tactics for animals themselves, but also for hunters here. Well, this is the time of the year to be doing it. I mean, if you're going to, if you're going to do anything, get into the woods now and do it instead of uh, later on in the season when you're going to um, bump out game that that could be there for the rest of the fall. So another thing you could do is once you trim all these branches and twigs and so forth, you can build a ground blind. With oh the yeah, debris. done yeah, that a lot of times. And so yeah. it's a natural blind. Yeah, natural landscape. Yeah, yeah. I was. Yeah, gonna, I thought you were going to say make a bonfire. <laughs> That's <laughs> what I. After we roast some s'mores. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to roast a deer. <laughs> no, so I want to just throw this out there. It's pretty cool. I actually got you a Father's Day gift. Really? Got you a new Nissan truck. No kidding. I hit it really well, and you're going to have to find it with an extreme beam. <laughs> No, no, are you mentioning our sponsor? No, I was, what, I, what I was going to say is a great little uh, tool is an extreme beam flashlight. Pick Absolutely. it up for your, your pops, your mom, your brother, your aunt, your uncle, your girlfriend, whatever. And you get that big one, that M1000. Boy, you could smack some people with that. They're nice. This being Father's Day, if, if you haven't got a Father's Day gift yet for your father or a significant other, uh, Go to extremebeam.com. Actually, go to nissan.com, and there's a Nissan lot of NissanUSA.com. You can go to Ruger.com and see what gun that uh, he or she might it, it, be, Seasonings has a lot of oh, great stuff. Oh, great stuff for Father's Day. Yeah, High Mountain Seasonings. Check that out, too. Yeah, and if you don't have a father, I will give you Jim. <laughs> Send will, your gifts, you. too. Yes, yes and, I will, and I will make payments for you to keep him. <laughs> we'll, we'll tweet your address, Jim. <laughs> All right, so we are, uh, here's looking up your old address. <laughs> we're talking about DIY habitat management on today's show, uh, we're going to have tips, tips coming up after the break, and then we're going to be joined by Candy Kiski, uh, Miss Whitetail Freak. She's a Whitetail. She's a super freak. Super freak. She's super freaky. Yow. Yeah. <laughs> Candy like Kiski is coming up next. Here is a word from Mr. P. Got to listen to what he has to say. Special thank you, though, to Outdoor Channel. OutdoorChannel.com forward slash revolution. Also Nissan. NissanUSA.com. High Mountain Seasonings. That is H-I-M-T-N-Jerky.com. Also Ruger. Ruger.com. Cabela's World's Foremost Outfitter at Cabela's.com and Extreme Beam. That is ExtremeBeam.com. Got to get to a break. Mrs. Bunny, 
We appreciate you. I appreciate you. You're Happy right. Father's Day, both of you. Thank, Thank you. to everybody, Thank to you. all the guys out there and the soon-to-be dads and the, you know... If you have a kid, happy Father's Day. Yeah, there you <laughs> go. If you don't happy Father's Day. <laughs> Even if you want to have a kid and you can't, happy yeah, Father's Day. That's it. All right, so got to get you a break. Here's a word from Mark. Tips, tips, and also uh, Candy Kiski coming up next. Talking about DIY habitat management. Don't go anywhere. Outdoor Channel Summer Projects. Establishing native warm season grasses and forbs grow during the warmer months of the year as opposed to cool season grasses such as fescue and brome. If you are planting new native warm season grasses, understand that they may take up to four years to become fully established. So it's important never to give up on a stand after the first year or two. Even during those early establishment years when most of what you see growing is not what you planted, the site can still provide excellent habitat for quail and other upland wildlife. Now for show highlights, all things Jim and Trav, and adventures of Dad and Me videos, log on to OutdoorChannel.com forward slash revolution. We are starting out our season with a bag. For Lee and Tiffany, it was love at first shot. I'm sitting here admiring Lee's big bull. Wait all year for this hunt. Big bull. Now they're a match made in outdoor heaven. I've been practicing my out calling. Oh no. <laughs> We're about ready to put a big buck in the truck. Besides a big buck, what else do you need? Crush with Lee and Tiffany. Sunday nights at 7.30 Eastern on Outdoor Channel. Everything is going to be good. The Ruger SR-22 is the do-it-all 22 pistol for the shooter who appreciates style and demands reliability. Easy to field, strip, and reassemble. The Ruger SR-22 shoots a broad variety of 22 LR ammunition. It features an ambidextrous manual thumb safety decocking lever and magazine release. Two options for grip. And a fixed white dot front sight and adjustable rear sight with reversible blade. The Ruger SR-22. Another American-made product from Ruger. The Nissan Frontier is loaded with features perfect for any outdoorsman, like tons of power from a 261-horsepower V6 engine, plus a new feature we're trying out, the game call horn. There's elk, turkey, and mule deer. We're still working on that one. But the Frontier does have the first-in-class Utilitrack cargo-carrying system to strap down your big game. Though cool, the game call horn is not a real feature of the Frontier. Nissan. Innovation that excites. Available features, 2014 Ward Segmentation Small Pickup Class. Properly secure all cargo. Tips Tips with Tiffany Lukoski from the Crush on Outdoor Channel is presented to you by Evolved Harvest and Habitat. Find them at Evolve.com. June 15th is a drop-dead date for many states for corn, beans, and clover. Check out farmprogress.com for more information in regards to your state and optimal planning time. All current clover fields need to be mowed, fertilized, and sprayed. Select Max works great for controlling the weeds as it won't kill your clover. Keeping them mowed helps keep them palatable for your deer. And late June, we start prepping all of our fields for rack radish crush and canola crush. You want all your fields prepped, fertilized, and ready to plant by the first week of July. Any new stands we haven't gotten to in March need to be finished up as temps really start heating up in July and August, and you definitely don't want to be out in the woods at that time. Thanks for listening to Tiff's Tips. Now back to Jim and Trav with The Revolution. Tune in next week for more of Tips Tips with Tiffany Lukoski from The Crush on Outdoor Channel that are presented to you by Evolved Harvest and Habitat. Find them at Evolve.com. Now back to more outdoors talk the way you want it on The Revolution. Hey, that was the first installment of Tiff's Tips. That's a tough thing to say. That F Ten times fire for you. <laughs> That's tough. Yeah, I'm tongue-tied. DIY Habitat Management on today's show. Also, before the break, Mrs. Bunny talking about all sorts of practices you can do. You want to uh, bust out the chainsaw, the mower, she had uh, tips for you. Hey, if I, you got a lighter, she's there for you. Yeah, tips, tips. That was pretty cool. Tiffany Lukoski on the show every week. I like it. All right, so we're just now being joined by Candy Kiski. She is with Whitetail Freaks. She is a freak. All right, Whitetail Freaks, got to check them out on Outdoor Channel. Yeah, she, uh, she and Don, her husband, have that uh, great show on Outdoor Channel. Don and Candy Kiski every Monday night at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Outdoor Channel, greatest channel in the world. And they're super freaks. Super freaks. Singing with Super Freakies. I'm going to sing that all throughout the show. I don't care. Anyways, just now being joined by Candy Kiski of Whitetail Freaks. She's headed north. Saying that a lot now. Yeah, it's going fishing. Anyways, I mean, you guys are always out in the field. This is what you do. This is your passion, uh, Miss Candy. This is a direct quote from you guys. There's always work to be done in the Whitetail Woods, uh, and that is so very true. What are you looking at me for, Jim? Isn't it, Candy? Absolutely. I mean, John and I are row crop farmers. 
is our one of our main occupations besides the television show. So we're definitely always out there trying to, um, you know, manage and um, improve our land for, you know, big bucks. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Now, now you uh, you said you're a row crop farmer. And so you, what, corn, soybeans, uh, even wheat possibly? Milo. Actually, we do, uh, ro- uh, we're corn and soybean farmers. And um, obviously, um, we plant mileage with a lot of our food plots and, you know, we love our land. Yeah. Now, you've been doing this for quite some time, but you always manage to find a brand new deer you've never seen before, haven't you? Yes. We have been doing this a long time, and you're right. We do we do find um, a buck that we haven't seen, never seen before. And so we're very fortunate to live where we live. Yeah. Now, what advice would you give to people? Because obviously a lot of people aren't uh, farmers by trade like you guys are. Um, you know, what do you think size-wise? Someone wants to put a food plot out there. How big is too big for them, especially if they're going to be doing it like, with, let's say, an ATV? And what is too small to be, you know, actually realistic, like it's going to do some good? What do you think is a good size plot to have for a beginner? Probably the best size to start out with for a small-time guy is at least five acres. Oh, really? Yes, because deer will eat half of it. I mean, we've got bottom bottom ground is what we mainly farm, and we'll leave probably 25, 50 acres worth of food in the bottom. Oh, really? Yeah, we spoil our deer. <laughs> yeah, your deer sound very spoiled. Now, Rick, yeah. uh, before we go on with this, we're going to find you guys online. Where can we find you guys online? Uh, you can find us out. Find us on Facebook, Whitetail Freaks TV. Uh, follow us on Twitter. And then, of course, we have www whitetailfreaks.com. Yeah, once again, we'll talk with Candy Kiske of Whitetail Freaks on Outdoor Channel. That is Monday, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, in you guys' experience, obviously you've been doing this a long time, Miss Candy. What do you find works the best for you guys? What deer find the most palatable there? What grows the best uh, about food plots? What do you think is the best to plant where you're at? Well, you know, we plant, you know, we love um standing cornfields because it allows us to brush our uh, Ameristep ground blinds in effectively to get, you know, closer to the, the animals so we can get a close shot, great footage. Yeah. And, um, you know, soybeans in the wintertime, I mean, the deer, you know, if, you, if they're the colder, the better. The deer love the, the soybeans. Now, we live here in the breadbasket of America, uh, you know, Kansas, where, I mean, we are surrounded by wheat, soybeans, milo, mm-hmm. corn, you name it, we have it. So, obviously, you don't want to really plant that because they can go anywhere and find that. What would you recommend doing something different to draw those big bucks and those deer in? What would you plant in our area? Well, I mean, a lot of green plots. You've uh-huh. got your clovers, your... Um, like Antler King has fall, winter, spring. Yeah. It's all for rack, rack development, you know, your greens are. So, you know, I definitely plant that if you don't have that in your area. Yeah. Now, don't uh, some people do uh, like radishes or something like that? Oh, yeah. Some people do radishes, um, turnips. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can do all kinds of, you know, variety of things. Cool. You bet. All right. Hey, we've been talking with Candy Kiske, and of course, she has Whitetail Freaks. She and Dunn are out there just uh, doing it every day. Yeah, I got to check them out. Whitetail Freaks. I love what you guys do. It's amazing. Uh, very informational and fun show. Got to check them out every Monday night. That is 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time on Outdoor Channel. On Outdoor Channel. I like the way you're shaking your head, Jimmy. Uh, <laughs> Whitetail Freaks. Once again, we were joined by Miss Candy Kiske of Donnie Candy Kiske, Whitetail Freaks. Uh, big shout out, though, to Outdoor Channel, Nissan, High Mount Seasonings, Ruger, Cabela's, and Extreme Beam. Who we got coming up next? Hey, coming up next is Bob St. Pierre. He's with Pheasants Forever there in Minnesota. He's going to be talking about the Flush, their show on Outdoor Channel, also improving wildlife. I thought that was a plumber thing on DIY, the Flush. That's really good. Improving uh, <laughs> wildlife habitat and pheasants forever. Don't go anywhere. Here's Mr. P, Mr. Paneri, uh, Miss Candy. Thank you so much for joining us. We greatly appreciate it. Hey, thanks guys for having us. All right, here's Mark. Don't go anywhere. Bob St. Pierre, pheasants forever. He's moments away. Nissan's Habitat Goals. With fertilizer costs on the rise, it is tempting for landowners to skip fertilizing their food plots this fall and assume that soil nutrients are adequate. As long as the soil has ample residual nutrients for the next planting, skipping fertilizer won't hurt. But testing the soil in food plots is the only way to know if soil pH, nitrogen, phosphorus, and potash levels are okay or need adjustment with fertilizer and lime. Planting without a soil test could hurt yields 
plants, waste your time, effort, and money in planting, and set soil health back for years to come. So tweet with us at twitter.com forward slash underscore OTN, and we'll get right back to the DIY habitat management after the break. Outdoor Channel presents an unforgettable journey into the unknown. We're about to go hunt a very, very dangerous animal. We've been to many places in the world that you feel discomfort because you know you're not welcome. This place, nobody's welcome. The Outdoor Channel original series, Uncharted. Well, maybe we shouldn't be here. Maybe this is the one time when we push too far. Wednesday nights, 7 Eastern, on Outdoor Channel. Hot Caramel Apple Crunch is one of the tasty treats that awaits you at High Mountain Seasonings. Order your jerky and sausage kits, snacking sticks, marinades, rubs and shakers, and more by going to HIMTNJerky.com today. Cabela's is the world's foremost outfitter for hunting, fishing, and outdoor gear. You can outfit all your needs through Cabela's catalogs, online, and their many stores. With the best selection, prices, and quality, all backed by a legendary guarantee. For the best in outdoor gear, go to www.cabelas.com. You don't have to go to extremes to get your dad's face to beam at your Father's Day gift. Just get him an extreme beam LED flashlight like the TAC-24. It has no compromise optics that make a brighter, tighter beam that can reach farther and run longer. TAC-24 from Extreme Beam because he's your dad. So why should he settle for less? Go to www.extrembeam.com and order today for delivery by Father's Day. Extreme Beam, the power to outperform. This program. We're running a strange program, y'all. Now, come on. Yes. You're listening to The Revolution with Jim and Trav. DIY! Habitat management. That's what we're talking about on today's show. We could have a musical show. Yeah. I guess that's kind of what radio is. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what you do. Hey, you know, scary. Uh, they have found a new breed of shark, or supposedly. I don't think they've ever seen it, but they're like, this big shark is eating other sharks, and they call it a colossal cannibal great white shark. Really? Yeah, no joke. The shark ate like a almost a 2,000-pound shark. That's got to be a big shark to eat another shark that size. I would think so. I mean, that's huge. Anyways, we are talking about DIY. Speaking of sharks. Habitat management <laughs> on today's show. Speaking of sharks, we had Tiffany Lukowski uh, and Candy Kiski before the break. Now hey, we got Bob. Ladies. We got Bob C. Pierre. Fences forever. Oh, that music. Scary. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. All right. DIY what, habitat what management. What that? Yeah, on today's show, mechanical shark. Maybe that shark got loose. All right, so anyways, we're just now being joined by Bob St. Pierre of Fences Forever. He is their VP of marketing, also for Quail Forever. Great guy. He's also a thumb wrestling champion. Uh, but you guys actually just opened up. Congratulations to a regional headquarters. Right there in North Dakota. Or South Dakota. Or Yeah, it was South Dakota, wasn't it? Yes, we did. Uh, you know, big news that it's the first time we've ever opened uh, up a headquarters outside of our parent organization or yeah. headquarters in the Twin Cities. Uh, we're opening up a, an office in South Dakota to uh, take the attack on habitat loss right to the, the front lines. There's there's no other place that speaks to pheasants like South Dakota. I mean, oh, yeah. the public voted to put a ring neck flying over Mount Rushmore on the commemorative uh, South Dakota quarter. So that, that is awesome. It. I mean, it put it on the money. South Dakota loves pheasants. So it made sense for us with, with the amount of habitat loss. You know, we've lost more than a half a million acres in the last couple of years. Oh, yeah. In South Dakota alone. So we, we're opening up that office there and uh, so we can be a little bit closer to what things are going on and fight for those habitat acres uh, right there at the the capital of pheasants in the country. You bet. Hey, now there's important things happening with pheasants just this week, isn't there? Yeah, you know, as we look around the country, uh, um, this week is the peak of the pheasant hatch. Is it really? So, you know, what we're hoping, we got our fingers crossed. We can't control Mother Nature, but we're hoping, you know, that uh, over the course of this past week, the week coming up, you know, we don't have too cold or too heavy drenching of rains. We want it to be real mild the next yeah. couple of weeks. So, so those eggs can hatch, and the chicks, when they're born, they're real uh, susceptible to cold weather and cold, wet rain. So, mm-hmm. you know, say an extra prayer to Mother Nature that we have some nice, nice weather because we've got a lot of bug production out there, which is good. So there's a lot of food out there for those chicks. We just want them to, 
to crack open into this world and have some good weather for them. That's right. Now, real quick, we want to mention The Flush, uh, Pheasants Forever television show there on Outdoor Channel. It's going to be coming back uh, July 5th. That is Saturday, 2.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, Got to watch it. Now, I was reading a really great article uh, that you put out. Uh, uh, the Mr. Mom advantage for quail. <laughs> I didn't realize that, you know, quail. They're huzzies out there. They, they're, they're loose women. I, <laughs> I didn't realize. Kind of, yeah, you remember Michael Keaton from Mr. Mom? <laughs> yeah, yes. In the a. So that's, that's quail for you. This, yeah. So the difference between pheasants and quail is interesting. Pheasants, pheasant hens, yeah. they'll have one hatch. If they can open, um, clutch, bring a clutch uh-huh. of pheasants into the world, they're done. Um, but quail, they'll lay a hatch of eggs, and then the, the male will actually help incubate those eggs and hatch them. That's amazing. And then the chicks will go off with Mr. Mom, the male, oh. and the female can go find another mate, raise another hatch. They can have up to three hatches in a year. That's just wrong. So when you think about that, if we have good weather and good habitat, they can bring in uh, up to three different clutches into the springtime so that's a really big advantage yeah we got a we got a local bar here in uh, in colby it's called uh, twisters and i saw four quail uh hens hanging out there yeah that's where they hang out local <laughs> bars whatever <laughs> all right so let's get we, we are talking about diy habitat management on today's show being joined by bob st pierre he is the vp of marketing for feds forever and quail forever now let's talk about some habitat projects obviously you guys do things on a widespread basis all across the country but what are some little things that we can do, Bob, to get involved, whether it's with Pheasants Forever on our own? Where are some great places to start uh, habitat projects? Yeah, it, it, that's a great question because the number one limiting factor for pheasants across the country is a lack of nest, nesting cover. Uh-huh. So what we're talking about is is your pure grasslands, switchgrass, native prairie grasses, a lot of flowers in there. And I bring up flowers because that's a real important component in the mix because as soon as they hatch, the majority of their diet mm-hmm. is focused on insects. Really? So if you have grass and you have flowering plants that create those insects like pollinators and, and grasshoppers and monarchs and all those insects out there, you're doing a couple things. You're creating a, a diet or food for those birds, but also if you have those broadleaves, those flowers, then at the ground level, it's typically not going to be so thick that you, you look down there and nothing can move. Oh, yeah. Well, you want to be able to see the dirt. You mm-hmm. want to be able to move around, and that's think about it from you know, a quail the size of a golf ball. Yeah. You know, if it can move through that grass, and that's what those, pot, those flowering plants, those coneflowers, those lupines, that's what it's going to do for you on a habitat level. So if you're thinking about doing habitat on your own property, think grass and nesting first. You bet. Hey, we've been talking with Bob St. Pierre. He is the vice president of marketing for business forever and we've been talking about habitat management also quail forever got to check out the flush like those guys yeah july 5th that is saturday 2 30 p.m easter time on outdoor channel great show but most importantly one of the the best things you can do is to become a member of pheasants forever quell forever volunteer and say i will follow bob to the end of the earth <laughs> or south dakota <laughs> yeah well and most importantly you know if we raise a dollar through membership through donation yeah 92 cents out of every darn dollar that comes in here gets out there on the ground to create more habitat we're the most efficient upland habitat conservation organization in the country and we we put your money where our mouth is and it makes a makes a difference out there on the landscape you should be working in washington <laughs> no absolutely not i am a i am a proud youper from the upper peninsula of michigan and i'm the exact opposite of a, a politician man. anti-washington all right diy habitat <laughs> management on today's show uh stick around we got grant woods uh growing deer tv coming up next though we want to say a special thank you to Outdoor Channel, Nissan, Ruger, High Mount Seasonings, Cabela's, and Extreme Beam. Here's and more Fizzes Forever. Fizzes Forever, Quail Forever. Great people. Here is Mr. Panary. Listen to what he has to say or Jim will kiss you. He'll slip you the tongue. Anyways, <laughs> Mr. Bob, thank you so much, buddy. Hey, thanks, guys. I appreciate you having me on, and uh, we're looking forward to a good hunting season. Not too far away now. That's right. Here is Mark in Grand Woods. He's moments away. Don't go anywhere. 
Store Channel Summer Projects. A good burn can result in the growth of more native plant species and create more brood habitat for turkey poults and other birds and animals than expensive work with heavy equipment. Despite popular yet misguided notions, many plant species have evolved with fire and respond well to its occurrence. Not only does burning reduce the accumulation of dead plant material and recycle nutrients, it also stimulates vigorous plant growth along with fruit and seed production. So be sure to share your management tips and picks at facebook.com forward slash adventures of dad and me. It's been said that the history of weapons is indeed the history of the world. Gun Stories, hosted by Joe Montigna. We go behind the barrel with historians, shooters, and experts. A riveting journey through the history of firearms. These are the three finest American shotguns ever made. Clint Eastwood's got this gun. I gotta have one. Midway USA's Gun Stories, Wednesday nights, 8 Eastern, on Outdoor Channel. Meet the gun that almost won the West. When I'm backpacking in the mountains, I like to travel light. That's why I carry Camp Chef's ready-made gourmet outdoor meals. These freeze-dried meals cook right in the pouch. Just add water. With menu choices like cheesy lasagna, teriyaki chicken with rice, and more, these meals taste great. And with a shelf life of seven years, they're also perfect as an emergency food supply at home. Look for Camp Chef's ready-made gourmet meals at a sporting goods store near you or at CampChef.com. Camp Chef, the way to cook outdoors. Need a gift for someone who loves to hunt and loves to read about it? Colorado's Biggest Bucks and Bulls, third edition of course. Find it at www.coloradosbiggestbucksandbulls.com Be warned, this is extremely graphic. This is The Revolution with Jim and Trav. Hey, we're back. And if you're just joining us, you missed old Bob St. Pierre with Pheasants Forever. This guy knows a whole lot about the flush. Yeah, and if you're ever in a South Dakota, stop by their regional headquarters. Yeah, and tell them we sent you and have somebody take you hunting. Give Dave a donut while you're there. That's it. All right, so we're talking about DIY habitat management on today's show. So far, though, we've been joined by Mrs. Bunny, Tiffany Lukoski, uh, Candy Kiski, Bob St. Pierre, now Grant Woods. I should say, Grant Woods is my favorite, though. He got to check him out. Growing Deer TV. Excellent show. Now, what is a good thing to do uh, this time of the year? I mean, what are some simple projects that you guys are doing that we can incorporate into our management plans right now, Grant? Simple things right now. Of course, does have just had fawns or will have fawns soon. Bucks are growing antlers. We've got deer, you know, with a foot of antler on top of their head or so already. Yeah. So they're burning a lot of trace minerals right now. So a great thing to do right now is make sure you got a good source of trace minerals out. A lot of confusion about minerals. Some people say, boy, you know, they add 20 inches to a deer, and others say they don't do any good. Reality is probably somewhere in the middle. <clears throat> I look at it like this. You know, every soil, you know, we take soil tests from every food plot, and they could be, you know, 200 yards apart and have drastically different results. Mm. So you don't know if the plants in your area have access to these trace minerals to take them up or not. So in the scale of habitat management, putting out a trophy rock or two or something you're using is the least expensive thing we all probably do. Yeah. So I certainly want to put them out there. It's like it's exactly like this. You know, I take my little vitamin every morning. <laughs> yeah. If I'm I'm eating my wife Tracy's great cooking, I probably don't need it. Probably urinate it all out. <laughs> but if I'm eating a you know stuff mark going down the road somewhere, I probably really need that vitamin. And I don't know what my deer are going to eat on any given day. I certainly want to get the maximum potential I can. So I want to make sure they got a good source of trace minerals. Yeah. Now you had mentioned that. Uh, those are, are dropping fawns right now, but they can also use that uh, that trace mineral for lactating, can't they? Oh, yeah, year-round. We want to keep it out year-round. I, I mentioned it, it's important now because a lot of guys just seem to put it out in hunting season. Yeah. You know, a lot of people tend to forget about deer in a non-hunting season, but it's a year-round project to really produce great deer. So trace minerals this time of year, uh, when deer are really growing, and you know, one way to monitor that growth, maybe kind of that backdoor scientific approach, when we age deer, you know, we can look at their jawbone and take an, an educated guess, maybe. Mm-hmm. Or we can send the teeth off to a lab, especially the front, bottom teeth, the front incisors. And they take a little saw and cut that tooth in half. And they're counting growth rings, just like you would on a tree. Oh, really? They have I didn't to know that. stain the tooth with tetracycline, do some stuff. But, and so in the winter, of course, deer are not growing very much. So that tooth is denser or it makes a little brown ring. Now, this is microscopic. We're looking under a microscope. And in summer, under good conditions, it's growing faster, so it would be lighter colored. So counting the rings gives you a very accurate estimate or true age of the deer. 
And I say estimate because if you happen to have a really wicked drought, so, you know, I had a long winter, yeah, little flush of green right in the spring, and then a long dry summer, you get what we call a false growth rain. Hmm. Short of that, they're very accurate. So that, anyway, I'm off subject, but that growth ring is an indication of how many minerals deer are taking in right now. I always learn something talking to you. Always. I do. Now, wh- I, I learned that I don't know anything. Before we go on with this, Mr. Grant, to find out more about you, where can we find you online? Hey, you know, just go to growingdeer.tv or growingdeer.com, either one, both to take you there. And we make a new show every week, 52 weeks out of year. Yep, Christmas, my wife's birthday. I hear about it all the time. <laughs> and we just tell you, like this morning, teacher, this morning, you know, a big concern right now because fawns are in the ground is ticks. Yeah. Well, we talk a lot about coyotes and coons eating up fawns, but the most numerous predator by far is ticks. As a matter of fact, I had the two interns. I want you to listen carefully here. I had the two interns this morning uh-huh. as I stood on the gravel road walk through just a few minutes of the bedding area where vegetation is about waist tall. Uh-huh. And in just a few minutes, we pulled 141 ticks <gasps> off of them. Oh, my Holy God. 141? We filmed it. You can see it Monday. We filmed that this morning to be on the air next week. 141 ticks. Oh. I was very brave. I stood on the gravel and directed <laughs> where they should walk. Because it's tough being my job, you know. Yeah. And the young guys get to have all the fun, go out and hit the bushes while it's raining. I'm envious of them. And they come back, and we take masking tape and pat down their pant legs or boots or whatever. Because yeah. the tick, once it's on masking tape, of course, it can't crawl anywhere. Then we can put it under a microscope and count how many ticks on there. Because there's so many ticks, yeah. you may not be able to count them with your naked eye. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And now, now what do you, is there any way to, uh, to manage to, the tick population? Yeah, eradicate them. What do you do? Okay, so great question. Get this question all the time. There are no medications that are legal or licensed to give wild free-ranging deer. Oh, wow. None. Okay, so, I mean, we give it to our, kind of pet peeve mine, we, we give stuff to our dogs, yeah. cows, everything else that's proven safe. We give medications. That the most prescribed medication in all of Africa is actually a parasite medication. because people live in Africa have a lot of parasites, uh-huh. but, and it's very safe, but we can't give that to deer here. So, really, the only thing we can do is prescribe fire. Oh. And fire itself, going through, like, it's wet here. We can't use fire now, but fire isn't what kills the tick physically. Ticks need a lot of moisture. So, you know, let's say you burn a field off, for example. And for two or three weeks after, it's going to be kind of black and no moisture at all unless it rains. Mm-hmm. And ticks need a lot of moisture, not to drink, but on the outside of their body stay alive. Otherwise, they desiccate or dry out. So the week or two after the fire is when you kill millions of ticks. Holy cow. That's amazing. You know, everybody, you look at the devastation of, you know, a fire and homes get burnt and stuff like that. But controlled burning is such a great practice. It really is burns off all that oh, dense undergrowth. Know, yeah, I didn't mean to interrupt. I, it's, that's another one. Maybe, so just, you know, if California and some of these places where we ship all our tax dollars to defeat wildfire, which I'm, I used to fight wildfires, so I'll pay my way to college, I get it. But yeah. if we had an occasional prescribed fire under appropriate conditions yeah, and, and slowly and safely remove some of that fuel... Then when we have a Santa Ana wind or lightning strike, it would burn, but not nearly as catastrophic as it does now. You bet. Hey, that was Grant Woods with uh, Growing Deer TV. Yeah, I got to check him out. Growing Deer TV, this man knows everything, unlike Jimbo and I. Uh, so we want to give a shout out to Outdoor Channel Nissan, High Mountain Seasonings, Ruger, Cabela's, and Extreme Beam as we are exploring DIY habitat management on today's show. But like Jimbo said, though, did you say? Uh, David I'm, Allen. I'm yeah. in a minute. <laughs> David Allen. He's the president and CEO of Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation. He is coming up next. Don't go anywhere. Uh, here is a word from Mark. Mr. Grant, man, thank you so much, buddy. Thanks, guys. Nissan's Habitat Goals. Finding enough to eat in the winter and early spring can be very challenging for wildlife. Planting mast-producing trees can help provide a good food source for wildlife during that time of year. Burr oak is native to Central and Eastern North America and grows to be 70 to 80 feet tall and 2 to 3 feet in diameter. It is a member of the white oak group, which means that its acorns mature in a single year and provide good food for wildlife. Remember to sign up for our weekly e-newsletter where you can win free gear, get outdoor tips, and so much more. Just send us an email at radio at outdoortrailsnetwork.com and you'll instantly be signed up. Hunting adventures are meant to be fun. The Brotherhood of Bone Collectors. Gonna be something else. We're gonna see some cool animals in some cool country. Here we go, Here we go! <laughs> I haven't even fired yet. Always enthralling. It's gonna be awesome. He's coming. I mean, he's coming. 
always entertaining. Beautiful lock, man. Wow. Michael Waddell's Bone Collector, Sunday nights at 10.30 Eastern on Outdoor Channel. That is awesome, son. Carnapoli Beach Hotel, Maui's Hawaiian Hotel. Located in the heart of Maui's premier resort, Kanapali Beach Hotel is officially recognized as Hawaii's most Hawaiian hotel and the number one best value in Hawaii. With a range of accommodations and affordable dining options, this is the ideal setting to turn Hawaiian dreams into lifelong memories. Live Hawaiian entertainment every evening, free year-round children's programs, weekly arts and crafts fairs, welcome breakfast, and departure kukui lei ceremonies add to the value. Swim in the whale-shaped pool, indulge in the fabulous spa and hotel salon, enjoy Hawaiian hospitality at its best at the Ka'anapali Beach Hotel. Call 800 800- 262-8450 or go to kbhmaui.com That's kbhmaui.com Aloha Come with me You're listening to The Revolution with, with Jim and Trav Now, here are the boys Hey, if you're just joining us, you missed old Grant Woods. He's with uh, Growing Deer TV. Does a great job. A lot of good stuff out there. That was crazy about those ticks. Yeah. Man, ticks yeah. are, oh, they give me the creepy crawlies. I, I have a nervous tick. You do. You're just, <laughs> that's from all the drinking, though. All right, just now being joined by David Allen, and he is the president and CEO of the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation. That is quite a title, something you will never have, Jimmy. <laughs> Anyways, Mr. David, how's it going, buddy? I'm good. How are you guys doing? Hey, we're doing pretty good. Now, you know, we're talking about DIY habitat management on today's show. And I'll tell you what, the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, you guys do so many wonderful You're things leaders. for habitat out there, not only for elk, but for every species that lives outdoors. You guys truly do help out. Like giraffe and Cape Buffalo. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, we do a lot of that giraffe work. Um, <laughs> Rocky Mountain Giraffe Foundation. There you go. <laughs> but, you know, that's the cool thing is, you know, whether you're doing, you know, um, habitat management for elk, deer, whatever, it also helps ground nesting birds. I mean, it helps just a little bit of everything. Everything that lives there benefits. That's exactly right. And we're extremely proud of the legacy that uh, Elk Foundation, uh, you know, has put down over the years, uh, over 30 years now. And wow. We've gone over six and a half million acres of, uh, of uh, habitat, either permanently protected or, as we say, enhanced, which would be uh, stewardship programs, uh, control burns, noxious weed spraying, um, cleaning up uh, old fence lines, uh, whatever it might be, you know, because without the habitat, that's where it all starts is on the ground. If you don't have it on the ground, then nothing else is going to happen. Yeah, well, the thing is, you guys are involved in so many different uh, states, and you've reintroduced elk into, you know, places like, I think, West Virginia and Kentucky, and of course, I think uh, you guys were involved in that Michigan deal a while ago in northern yes. Wisconsin. So, yes, that's right. Both, in fact, Wisconsin, we're... Uh, we're uh, unofficially targeting uh, some more elk, I believe, for Wisconsin in 14 or 15. Each one of those relocations are done in conjunction with the state agencies. So it's really the state agency that has to get it approved and and then lead the way. And then uh, we'll help with the resources and uh, the manpower and the volunteers. Yeah. Now, 150 years ago or so, the elk was actually a plains game animal. It was the western sprawl that uh, caused them to head to the mountains, wasn't it? That's correct. Yeah. Man really pushed them, you know, deeper and deeper into the uh, wilderness, if you will. And they were a plains animal. And even today in many states, like I live in Montana, the central and eastern portions of Montana are the area where the elk populations are rapidly growing, and it is not uh, what you would call deep wilderness by any means. It's more of the the rolling hills, scattered timber, and the prairie, high high altitude prairie, mm-hmm. and uh, they much prefer that kind of habitat and terrain. Yeah. Now, Mr. Dave, (laughs) (laughs) if we want to find out more about you, Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, how we can become members, how we can pitch in and help out, because let's face it, you can always add to your growing army. Uh, Where can we uh, find you guys online? 
rmef.org. Now, you know, obviously, the, the battles that you guys face and Habitat and everything kind of changes from year to year. You have the exact same goal, but, you know, as you guys get bigger, you take on more and more things. What are some projected uh, projects that you're really looking forward to, like striving for in the future, uh, talking about Habitat management uh, for elk and other animals? Well, uh, there's a couple areas right now that relates to habitat and, and the land. One is we're making it a much bigger priority moving forward from this year on to uh, find the uh, access opportunity oh. where we can go in and help secure uh, ownership uh, of parcels of land that would open up access into much bigger parcels and much bigger landscapes of public land. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of land, public land that's landlocked today. Yeah. And that's one of the biggest challenges that the whole hunting world faces. And so we're working on uh, a number of those. We just finished two of them at the end of last year. One was a 40 acre purchase that we made and we turned around and gave it back to Montana's fishing game. But it opened up access to 18,000 acres oh, of public ground. Serious. And then we did, uh, in uh, the last two weeks of December, we closed a deal in central Oregon in the uh, John Day River. It's actually the headwaters of the John Day River. Absolutely stunning piece of ground. And I believe it was twelve or 13,000 acres that we we're wow. able to go in along with the Forest Service and secure, and uh, it is now, you know, and will be forever uh, open to the public. Yeah, I think that's so cool because you know, access is such a big problem. Uh, you know, Jim and I hunt, we walk, hunt walk-in hunting, uh, public lands all the time. That's what we hunt, and that's the problem that you run into. There is no access, and I can't believe that you purchased 40 acres and donated it. And it opened up that many thousands of acres. I mean, that that is a good investment right there, Mister. That's Davis. a well, smart we move. Got, I mean, yeah, yeah. We just got lucky. One of our members tipped us off about this piece of ground, and it's where two corners of private land did not line up exact uh-huh. with the Forest Service boundary, and there was about a forty or fifty foot uh, opening to where public could cross into from this piece of ground into the Forest Service. Yeah. There was an opportunity for Forest Service to create a, a trailhead and, and a pack-in trail. So nice. we jumped at the opportunity and, and got it before it got listed, and, um, you know, it just worked out. But those are few and far between. Uh, they're hard to find. They are out there, and I would urge anybody listening, if you know ever know, especially in the western states of scenarios like that please call us and let us know because we'll look into them immediately yeah we heard that wyoming's for sale yo they're selling the whole state <laughs> i don't think so i think wyoming's about the only state operating in the black right now <laughs> that north they're dakota rolling in it. yeah yeah hey we've been talking with david ellen he is the head honcho there at the rocky mountain elk foundation and he knows a heck of a lot about uh, volunteers and he needs some that's right one more time mr david where can we find you online buddy our there you go, man. Become a member. It's one of the greatest investments uh, you are ever Best going to make. 35 bucks you ever spent. That's right. 35 bucks. I mean, you can find that and scrape it up. Borrow it from a friend if you have to. Take it out of the couch. That's what you got to do. So we are talking about DIY habitat management practices on today's show. We were joined by uh, David Allen, once again, the president and CEO of Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation. Got to get to a break. A big thank you to Outdoor Channel, Ruger, High Mountain Seasonings, Cabela's, and Extreme Beam. How about Nissan as well? Here's a word from Mark. Mr. David, man, thank you so much, buddy. Hey, thank you, guys. Have a great day. Outdoor Channel Summer Projects. For landowners with wildlife openings or fields that have reseeding annuals and perennials, such as crimson clover and redland two clover planted in them, be sure to lightly harrow these areas during August every two to three years. Harrowing will cover the seed produced by the parent plants and allow germination and establishment of a new clover stand. Also, mow your clover plots in late summer and early fall to remove the taller plant species that shade out the smaller clovers. 
Listen to The Revolution online anytime at www.outdoorchannel.com forward slash revolution, where there is an extensive archive of shows to choose from. Colorado's Biggest Bucks and Bulls, a book for hunters. www.coloradosbiggestbucksandbulls.com This is The Revolution with Jim and Trav. You see, even in daylight, this place still looks a bit sinister. Hey, this has been a great show this week, Trav. DIY Habitat Management. Happy Father's Day again. Well, thank you, thank you. And Miss Bunny came back for the clothes. You always do that. I like to hang around, save the best for last (laughs) kind of mentality, meaning me. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, no. There you go, there you go. (laughs) Hey, we want to thank our 430 affiliate stations, our advertisers, and everyone that makes this show possible. Like Miss Bunny, Fun Joe, our producer, Mark Canary, and... Frank the Sound Guy. Frank the Sound Guy. What a waste of time he is. Uh, you know, stick around, though. Oh, I want to say thank, special thank you to our guest, Candy Kiske, uh, Bob St. Pierre, also Grant Woods, David Allen, Tiffany Lakoski. All right, so take some kids outdoors with you this weekend. God bless you. I love you. Bunny loves you. Jim tolerates you. Your local news weather is coming up next. Peace out. Love you. God bless. We'll talk next week. has been a production of Outdoor Trails Radio Network. Copyright 2014. All rights reserved. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.